And hose Tuesdays on this program. Y'all know what we do on a Tuesday. Not only is the club going up, oh my friends, also we are taking back America, reclaiming that radical, progressive history of America. Myself and Professor Harvey K. He is Professor Emeritus at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. On the show today, we just catch up a little bit. I had not talked to this man in about a month. So what did two radicals do? We caught up and we talked about life a little bit because that's what you do we want to know how you are and we want to know what we're going to do how are we going to go change the world let's find out rate review subscribe do that thing you do kansas city back in your feeds tomorrow the nominations are still open for the pitch awards best ofs for 2022 let's do that three time baby best local podcast that's all i got a good day to be a kansas city always because of you kansas city we'll see you in the morning bye greetings hearts search the force and a tremor i have felt it was you your ego just busted a planet the kc morning show January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now Kansas Cityans must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. Professor Harvey K. The Professor Emeritus over at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. My brother, it has been too long. I haven't actually reclaimed our radical history with you. We haven't taken back America, Harvey K, in like a month. The way things are going, I don't even know if we want to take it back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Absolutely kidding. And I said that with tears in my eyes when I said that. And the reason I say that is. I don't know if people realize, what is the temperature today? 101? And the rest of the week, it's only going to get hotter. Well, it's 91 in Green Bay, but it so happens I'm heading north to Mackinac City for a couple of days where it's got to be cooler. That far north got to be cooler than here. What's amazing to me is that London going to hit supposedly 103 tomorrow. Now, I know you're going to hit 103, but most folks, although I feel terrible, if not all folks, most folks in Kansas City, I hope, have air conditioning. London is not a city that's used to those temperatures. I mean, they've seen 90s and 80s over these many years. You know, they figure they can handle that. But for the first time ever, they have a red alert on the heat. So when I say, I don't know if we want to take it back, it's only because 
I just hope we're not too far gone, you know? I just hope. Before we get going, congratulations, my friend. Con- oh, on my daughter's wedding, you mean? Yes, Harvey first K. Day, wait, what did I do? I didn't do anything. It's not always about you, Harvey. I'm looking forward to congratulating you someday, Hartzell. How's oh, that? No, that was well done. That's what that was. <laughs> Don't get mad, get even. No, yes, the <laughs> wedding was great. And as people may not know, I mean, it was on Twitter, but my daughter and I actually danced down the aisle to Rick Astley's Never Gonna Let You Go, because when she was growing up, she had a hard time waking up in the morning. It was my responsibility because my wife would leave for work first and my job to get her up, get her breakfasted, you know, make sure she hopped in and out of the shower. And then we danced and the motivation was that we were going to dance. And if you dance, you don't feel tired. It's not tiring. It's exhilarating, exciting, you know, energizing. So we used to dance to South African music. Savuka, I think, was the group. We danced to Rick Astley. We danced to Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. And we danced. And you got great taste, Harvey K, because every so often, just to pull back the curtain, you will send me some song links and we will be jamming back and forth. In fact, a lot of the song selections I choose for this show have come from Professor Harvey K. At some point, if one of our birthdays is the day before we record, you know, the song, a very merry birthday to you. We'll have to use that sometime. Well, we both have October birthdays, so we're going to sync this up. That's right. Maybe we should just do every day in October. We'll play that song. And I said to you before we, we got going that my very dear friend, Bill Moyers of public television fame and many other fames, I was able to visit with him in New York sometime in the last couple of weeks. I'm, my days are all off right now, not because of the heat, because the wedding is still reverberating in, <laughs> in this family. He and I spent a morning together and we were talking politics the whole time. Okay. And history. So we set out, we were walking down towards 72nd Street in New York. He said something like, let's get serious. How are the Packers going to do this? <laughs> I just want to, to note this, how casually Harvey K just mentions that his friend is Bill Moyers, the great Bill Moyers. Yeah. Fortunately, that particular day, it was just such a great conversation. I, I decided, ahead, I knew it would be great. We hadn't seen each other in a couple of years because of the pandemic. And I decided ahead of time that I would turn my brain into a bit of a recorder, that I would remember what he said to me. So I do have a very good recollection of all those things. And he was very complimentary and he was very sweet. I told him about you, Hartzell. I told him about you. And I'm hoping that sometime in the future, no promises on his part and none of mine, because like it's like <laughs> maybe he can find his way on for at least 15 minutes onto our conversation. That would be a dream come true. But honestly, even in his absence, he's given us a hell of a topic, I think, for today's show. Yeah. I mean, as I told you, he and others of prominence have been asking me, what are we going to do? What do we do now? Bill and I, he has lamented to me, he said, all the things we've worked for are in jeopardy, as he and I understand it. And so the question is, what do we do now? Now, Look, you and I talk off air quite a bit. And, you know, I've told you a number of times it wasn't too late if if the likes of Bernie and the squad could find it in themselves to get together and actually without necessarily dumping on Biden, which I know Bernie would not accept. I just know that. But if they could get it together to start projecting a vision of what a progressive Democratic Party might actually look like, then perhaps they could have sort of encouraged people to believe there was good reason to turn out and block what's coming in November. And in fact, Bernie, not long ago, he was interviewed. And I don't know if he was interviewed in the studio or journalists just caught him on the street, you know, coming out of the Capitol building or the office building of the senators. And he said, the Democratic Party is in trouble and it needs to do something like Newt Gingrich's contract 
with America. Back in 94, Gingrich and his cohort, his ilk, issued the contract I call the contract on America. And what it did is it offered a set of promises and a vision from the far right, to my mind, far right, but the right wingers as to what it would mean if they could win the House and possibly the Senate. You were young at the time, but 1994 saw the Democrats suffer a tremendous shellacking. I'll just note, this is very interesting. If I, you don't mind a little memoir on my part, I hope. In 1994, on the night before the US elections, and I had already voted absentee, the night before the, I was in London, I had won the Isaac Deutscher Memorial Prize, which is given to like the best book in left history. Some people say Marxist history. Some people say critical history. Point is, it's, it's this major award an award for a book. So I had a book that had come out, The Education of Desire, Marxist and the Writing of History. To my amazement, I won the award. And then you have a full year to write a lecture, to deliver at the London School of Economics over in London. So this would be my big kind of exciting return. So I thought, what am I going to talk about? And I came up with the title for that lecture of Why Do Ruling Classes Fear History? which later became a, a collection of my essays and speeches with that as the keynote piece in it. And it was so exciting that night because a goodly number of older leftists showed up to hear what I had to say. And I mean, there must have been a couple hundred people there at the LSA. It was just exciting. And there was a reception party afterward. And I was feeling great to the point where I almost forgot there was an election back in the <laughs> States that was underway. So I woke up the next morning, which of course, election day, Tuesday had already taken place. And all across the British news was the fact that the Democrats had had their kicked in the election. I mean, massively Clinton. I mean, he wasn't up for re-election, but his administration had taken a shellacking because Democrats had lost control of Congress, essentially. Talk about deflation as opposed to inflation. I, mean, I just felt the air come out of my spirits. And then, of course, in 2010, similar kinds of stuff. So here we are facing this midterm election that we've talked about, you and I, for months on months. And when were the Democrats going to figure out a way of doing it? So Bernie, X number of weeks ago, told the media the Democrats needed something like Gingrich's 1994 contract with America. And I kept hoping that I and Alan Minsky, who you've had on with me, and a couple of other people would be able to meet with Bernie to propose that he take hold of something he himself talked about both in 2016 and 2020, FDR's idea of an economic bill of rights. And if he could get maybe the squad and other progressives in the Senate, like Warren and Markey, you know, Sherrod Brown, maybe they could gather together and issue this congressional manifesto for the progressives in Congress. The democratic agenda, the democratic vision is a 21st century economic bill of rights. But we failed to get access to Bernie at that time. And I've heard nothing at all from Bernie and the others regarding some kind of, if you like, call it collective or joint vision for the party. And of course, Biden, Schumer and Pelosi right now, and I'm being polite, they appear to me to be deer caught in headlights, right? November's like this incredible you know, spotlight that they don't know what the hell they're going to do. Maybe they don't even care. That's the worst part. It's as if, well, you know, we're going to do fine because, you know, they like us. They're not going to crap all over us. But just the other day in the New York Times, there was a major story of just how turned off young people are. Democratic Party organizers at the university level can't even find an audience to speak to. I'm exaggerating only slightly. The point is that the headline was like Democratic Party folks at these campuses are being shunned in many ways. Now, that doesn't mean people won't ultimately vote for Democrats, but you can imagine a lot of young people just won't show up.
you're right. It's that same poll that showed Biden in the 30 percent, you know, as far as a approval rating, a lower number at this point than even Obama was before the midterm shellacking that he got in 2010. This is why we thought this would be a great time for us to come together and much like friends who meet up after a long time and catch up, you know, hey, tell me how you are and tell me what we're going to do. You gave us some excellent context there, Professor K, but now, especially in this moment, we got midterms coming up. I just got done watching your Wisconsin U.S. senatorial debate last night. You know, it's that season, but it's always that season because progress is active every single day. And sadly, Donald Trump himself made every day a campaign day when he won the presidency, became president. He went right back out on the road campaigning. And right now we find ourselves in a not just a 24 hour news cycle, but we're in a daily campaign mode. The problem is, are you aware of a Democratic campaign at the national level? Are any of us? You hear those crickets? I don't want to believe that it's too late for 22. Where do we go from here? What do you think? Maybe it is too late for 22, but on a big picture, we need something. We need some kind of strategy. If you're in that boardroom, Harvey K, what are you throwing out on that dry erase board? Okay. Well, let me just say that half of me is convinced it's too late to make a difference for 2022, but I'm wrong. There's always something to be done. And this is what needs to be done for a start. And this wouldn't have had to happen. I wouldn't have gone this way if the Democrats had had been more successful in pursuing a truly progressive agenda. But right now, they have to play the fear button. They have to take ads. And by the way, this means that Biden himself has to go on, can't believe I'm saying this, on something of a warpath. Bernie has to go on a warpath. Pelosi, believe me, every time I get an email with Pelosi's name on it, I want to, I want to wretch. But it is the case, the whole crew, the squad, the, every one of those Democrats, let me make it clear. Why do I want to wretch? Because Pelosi is part of that crew that literally rejected not only Nina Turner's campaign, but the, even the campaign of this Jessica Cisneros, who was running against not simply a centrist Democrat, but a right wing Democrat who was in the pocket of the NRA, who was in the pocket of the fossil fuels, and moreover, opposed a woman's right to choose. And who did she support? Who did she probably do robocalls for? Henry Cuellar, that right wing so-called Democrat, decidedly not my kind of Democrat, obviously. So that's why I want to wretch when I get an email from Nancy saying, well, we got to do something. We got to give me money. Give me money. Gimme, 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 gimme. Well, Nancy, give us leadership. I've said it. Okay. Back to the story of what do we do? Look, they're not going to be able to change Roe v. Wade overnight, that Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. But the point is, they have to warn people. If you think what they've done is bad, here's what they hope to do next. We cannot allow this. They're going to probably try to encourage the Supreme Court to say marriage equality, forget it. They're going to try to privatize probably parts of Social Security. This is what they need to warn people. They're going to try to take away the remaining rights that workers have to organize. They're going to literally guarantee that in any number of states, the right to vote will be severely curtailed by any means possible if the Republicans win. In other words, we have to block authoritarianism. It's been 45 years in the making. The Democrats for all too long have utterly failed to address it. In fact, they've literally, as I've said to people, encouraged the Republicans by their own failure to do anything. They've encouraged the Republicans to go on and on and on. But they need that to go, which they won't do. I'd say Biden, <laughs> Pelosi, Schumer, what would we call it? Boomer, Losi. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> they need to come out and say, mea culpa. It's our fault. We've now seen the light. 
because we're up against the wall and we don't want America to be pushed through the wall and over the edge. You've got to vote. We promise you, Nancy can say, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the speakership in favor of a progressive person. We're not going to throw in yet another neoliberal. We're going to go all out in the next two years to make sure that authoritarianism is undermined by making sure that whether you are black or white or brown, whether you are a worker or a farmer, whatever you may be, you will be guaranteed by way of our pursuit of at least the legislation close to an economic bill of rights will make sure that Americans have economic security. Harvey, it's not like we have to go way back to see this case study work. I mean, those special elections in Georgia that got us the Senate, they were specific ask. We said, hey, we're going to get you $2,000 checks. Now, by the way, those checks never happened, which that's the indictment. Maybe that's the issue that the establishment, the Democratic leadership has. They know the answer, but you've got to follow through. We're not going to keep putting up with not getting the follow through. You got to follow your shot. That's what coach said. RBK, follow your shot. Right. And they should say, we failed you. We allowed a bunch of Senate Democrats to block $15 an hour. We will not fail in that again, even if it requires an executive order that would literally transform any company receiving any kind of federal dollars must do X, Y, Z. That's what FDR would have done. Biden wanted to be FDR, start acting like. I mean, my point is that it may be too late, but the Democrats must go all out in the harshest form, aggressive form, dynamic form for November. And then the squad and Bernie, the progressives need to get together and start projecting, as I said, this economic bill of rights idea, because if it comes to pass that the Democrats take a shellacking, which could be, I mean, truly horrific, horrific, the outcome, then they need to be in a position to start laying claim to the party. Because as you and I have said, what are we going to hear from MSNBC and all the neoliberals out there? What are they going to tell us? The progressives destroy the Democratic Party. You are a wrestling announcer, aren't you? Man, you're good. (laughs) When in fact, this entire time, who's been the most loyal ally of President Biden? It's been the progressives. Manchin, Manchin killed his own climate bill after Killing the president's own bill. Mansion, cinema. Look, let's go back to that $15 an hour question. I know it was Bernie who was asking for it, but Biden basically was the guy who ran with the idea that we we're going to have an FDR like presidency. And who was one of the votes? Not only Mansion and cinema, the two senators from Delaware, his own state, voted no on the $15 an hour. You're going to tell me he couldn't have called them up and said, Are you going to screw me already? Me? But did he do that? I doubt it. Look, the time has come. The time has come a long time ago, but the time has come right now, not simply to, you know, to make history, but literally to save our asses. Let's also remember that these kind of conversations, especially amongst friends of which if we are a party, let's at least be friends at the party. You know, these are good conversations. This is our time where we should be hashing out these policy debates. This is a good thing. Not all criticism is bad. Don't take it so personally. Just know that we need to keep these conversations going. I feel like everyone in the establishment is so defensive. We just want to ask more. More. You know, there was that famous scene, you know where I'm going, Oliver, and the little kid who finds himself, you know, with these other kids in this poorhouse orphanage kind of thing. What they used to call this a gruel. To be nice, you'd call it porridge or oatmeal at the best, but it was gruel. And he walks up, you know, can I have more? More? You want more? I say all that, and especially when the left seems like the easy punching bag. But again, all we're asking for is what's 
owed to us. And I can't think of anything more foundational than the first document of a thing. And our first document, the Declaration, said these things are our unalienable rights unto us. Life. What do you require for life? The wherewithal to eat, have a place to live, and put clothing on your back and enable your kids to get ahead. Life. Liberty. Necessitous men are not free men, FDR said. And happiness, the pursuit of happiness. You got to get an education. You got to be able to go out and enjoy yourself a bit. You got to have some adventure. You got to have some recreation. And what have these Democrats done in those terms recently? Well, now's the time to say, mea culpa or nuestra culpa, we're going to make things happen. And if we don't, God help us. Professor Harvey K., my brother, where can these folks find you on the internet? On Twitter, H-A-R-V-E-Y, initial J-K-A-Y-E. Please, please do let me know you're out there because there are a lot of folks who want me to know they're out there who are, <laughs> who are not too pleased by my persistent support for a Bernie-like agenda, a Bernie-like vision, okay? I can use all the help I can get. Some folks don't like your patriotic criticism. That's right. They don't. They don't. Exactly. That's it. Patriotic criticism. It's not going to stop us, though, is it? No, absolutely not. More? <laughs> you want more? <laughs> My brother in solidarity. I love you. Love you too, Hartzell. And I'm looking forward to our further adventure, even if things go downhill. We're going to take back America one way or another.